What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rambling Souls podcast. This is uh, episode number four. Really glad to be back. Hope you all have enjoyed it so far. But uh, my name is Aaron Montano Teague. I will be your host, and I'm joined by my lovely and wonderful bandmates. Javier Padilla on bass guitar. Gabe Mendez guitar. Awesome Burns drums. Mauricio Olan and I do the singing around here. And uh, we are here to talk about the usual, everything from uh, music to booze to whatever the hell else comes to mind. Uh, we are today without our wonderful friend and producer, John Becker. So uh, we're going to be covering the duties between Hav and myself. But uh, yeah, for now, uh, let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, you want to do it, Mauricio? Fun stuff. Uh, what are we drinking this evening? Well, this week uh, we're drinking something uh, very special, uh, I'm sure, to all you guys listening out there as well. See, being that it is our good our good brother, Mr. Vinnie Paul's birthday this week, we are having black teeth grin tonight. Yeah. That's going to be Crown and Coke, or Coke and Crown, or Crown and plus or minus. Coke optional. Coke optional. So that's how <laughs> unless you you're crown. unless you're actually a member of Pantera. There yeah. you go. In which case, Coke was, <laughs> that, is not optional. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so without further ado, guys, for Mr. Vinnie Paul and of course Mr. Cheers. Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, Cheers, let's everybody. pour one out to Dimebag too. Oh, yeah. Cheers, Cheers everybody. everyone. So we hope y'all listening at home are having a good drink with us, unless of course you're driving or doing oh, something important. Absolutely, man. But uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. partake in mine. We're taking over this town. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I wonder All right, guys, so how are we doing this week? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> busy. Busy, busy, busy week. week. Busy, busy week. Busy. Everybody's busy. That's why we're uh, we're without John today. We had to reschedule, and it just didn't work out with everything. Everybody was just crazy this week, man. But it's it's a, you know, it's a good sign after the year we've had to be busy. For me, it feels it feels a little – it feels good, you know, even though I'm stressed and running around everywhere all day. But to be out of the house and not just sitting there for months at a time – <laughs> Generally know. speaking, it feels good yeah, to be busy. You know. sure. so there's, there's a whole a, different kind of stress, too. but you know, it just kind of slides its way on into that yeah. other gear, and uh, here we are rolling. Hell yeah, man! Well, uh, so what's up with the with the black teeth other than uh, than Vinny Vinny Paul? Uh, tell me about it, man. Like, uh, is this your your go to or what? Oh, you, not uh, me. It's just the, you know, it's, it's it's the one that uh, you know the boys in Pantera have been known to. There's been the signature drink since black uh, back in the day. I'm sorry, uh, you know. Black tooth grin, dude. I mean, you gotta love it, dude. I, I me, when it comes to, uh, I guess you could say this is one of my go tos because when you when it comes to your whiskey and Coke drinks, everybody has their preferred Jack and Coke. Well, that's a little too manly for me. Lemmy, you know, that's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not. He'll hand you a fifth just to have on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, dude. For me, Crown and Coke. I think I think the only other one that I that I would really go to as far as the whiskey and Coke drink is Makers. I really love a good Makers and Coke. I enjoy that myself. But uh, yeah, I dig it, man. So let's drink up for Vinny. Uh, yeah, dude. Funny thing about these. Well, it's normally given in shot form when I have them, but sure. Uh, there's a local venue here in San Antonio called Five O Two. It's uh, run by a, a guy named Mr. Jim Meek. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, when uh, whenever the the gentleman likes to give you a shot, yeah, it's, that's usually what it is. And makers. He is makers. Oh yeah. But man, I always, yeah. I always oh, yeah, he'll use that. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I always knew a black tooth to be Jack, actually. I've always every time I've had it, it was made with Jack Daniels. So uh, yeah, I've I've heard yeah. the same. And whenever I was bartending, I would do the same. But I have gone to a lot of times when I go to a bar and order. I say Black Tooth, they go Crown. 
So I think yeah. it is traditionally crown. Yeah. It's, it's supposed traditionally crown. Or and I should say Canadian whiskey. It's traditionally Canadian whiskey. Canadian whiskey. And so Canadian Coke. club would work as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. if there was any confusion before, it's pretty much been solidified now that Lemmy has passed. And I think the whole rock and roll and metal world has, has officially uh, acknowledged Jack and Coke to be the Lemmy. I mean, we went through the yeah. rainbow. Yeah, how could it not be? <laughs> we went to the rainbow not long after they put up the statue and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you asked for a, bun- a table full of Lemmys and they know exactly what you're talking about, dude. They make them so good there, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. How do you? Because there's no coke in them. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, how do you mess that up? Like, there's not a whole lot. It's like, man, I make a real good gin and tonic. You know? Oh, dude, actually, Jack Daniels actually put out an official uh, Lemmy edition uh, a bottle for for a good while. Did it come with some around. meth. I'm not sure, man. I didn't see. Now that's the real black tooth grain. <laughs> no, that's the no tooth grain. That's a no tooth grain. Yes. Freaking pirating, man. So, but uh, it's good that we're uh, honoring um, Lone Star Texas uh, musicians and Texas. Well, you know, Crown's a Canadian drink, but like I said, you know, in honor of Pantera, which is a down home Texas, uh, the king of uh, groove, power, thrash, or whatever the hell they like to call it back in the day. Um, Texas is opening up, so, uh, dude. Yeah, it's uh it's it's starting to happen. I mean, there's a lot of mixed opinions about it, but I think one of the cool things is that. Um, I mean, shit, we're getting music back in a lot of places where it wasn't before. Right. I just saw um, Nothing More posted this afternoon that uh, uh, touring for early 2022 is in the works for mm-hmm. them. So it looks like, yeah, we're getting back to life. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I think I've said it on, on the, the show before. I, I mean, we got I got Floors Country Store pretty much in my backyard and spent a lot of time in that area. Uh, for those of y'all who don't know what Floors Country Store is, it's one of the legendary, um, typically country uh, venues for, for Texas. If you... If you follow anything like on, on the red dirt scene, um, that's usually one of the stops of the bands that you're you're going to go see. And I think from the get go, they've been they've had it down to a science. I mean, they've been doing it right. And quite honestly, I'm probably going to miss the way that they did shows this whole time. Um, I mean, they, it was the lim- whole table, yeah, set up outdoor, and, and so they have this 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 big old outdoor area. Um, and then it's 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 tables. You, yeah. they, they sell tables, yeah. and then you know you have like four, three, four seats. Everything's sectioned off. I mean, you're not getting beer thrown at you. Yeah, dude, honestly, like thinking back on it, like before, like how the hell was I ever so comfortable with being just co- drenched, covered in sweat yeah. and beer, pressed up pressed next up to two big guys that yeah. are also drenched, covered <laughs> in sweat and beer, no, and just like no. in crowds so thick you could pick both feet up off the ground, man. Oh yeah, like, oh, it's yeah. like just, I totally feel that. But then on the other side, it's like. I'm sure that as a performer, you'd much rather it's have weird the people having people sitting down mistreated at tables. than people, you know, <laughs> sitting in the lap of luxury. No. But well, like dude, that's fucking of, rock and roll, bro. Speaking of yeah. uh, mistreated to lap of luxury, I mean to, to to fill some of you guys in that might not be familiar, maybe some of our listeners outside of Texas or something, but uh, they're referring to kind of the way. You know, different states around the country did things different ways. Some some states completely got shut down, couldn't do nothing for how long. Some states did different things. Uh, Texas kind of teetered right around the borderlines of those things. So so a lot of cities and a lot of uh, places kind of still had the more or less kind of a, you know, there's all these restrictions and stuff that got laid out. But, but in certain ways, a lot of venues were allowed to kind of not check off all those uh, boxes and, and continue doing shows. So uh, uh, one really cool way that some of these places did is where yeah it was very organized man you would you you would come you'd get you know the 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 the, uh, the temperature test all that stuff you had to have a mask on um, and they would the hostess would seat you at your table 
Once you get to your table, you could take your mask off, and you're ordering from the table. There's no going up to the bar and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was very structured, dude. I kind of it was, you know, I like to, kudos to a lot of the places they pulled it off well. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The old man and me really, really enjoyed that. No, I, yeah. I went yeah. to one where it was like they didn't even have necessarily like servers. They just had drink runners because you had a code on the table and you scanned it and then you went and ordered your drinks through that paid for it and everything Same. and just clicked it and that's then they would just cool. they would just come by and drop it off and then boom like they would drop off a tray with all your drinks on it no contact nothing like that that's like, good old fashioned American ingenuity right? yeah. sure. hey, hey, adapt and overcome absolutely yes. so improvise overcome. adapt and overcome so one of the things that I'm really curious about and uh, I mean by all means if you guys are in other states and, and can uh, kind of compare notes here uh, please do uh, but I'm I'm curious as to how things are going to open up in like some of our smaller areas because I know that there's a circuit that's been going pretty strong in Texas, um, basically the hill country. There's a lot of a lot of little smaller bars in these small towns and they're places where they had like maybe two cases, <laughs> you know. Right. And so uh, there a lot of people had been going through there and now they're visiting other smaller areas that are usually ignored on on the scale of uh, you know touring and all that stuff. Um, Kind of wondering how that's going to change things. Like, are, are these places going to become new hotspots, or is it going to be a situation where it's like, oh, good work, brother. Thank you for keeping us afloat. Later, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think you'll find that, especially these days with all the other distractions in there from every other kind of media, maybe the smaller towns are the places that appreciate the live music and the thing that's happening in town. Like the most, like when we were on tour in New Mexico, yeah. like, oh, Silver City. Say, yeah. That was, I was like say, like you guys the know smallest my town. About that. Like I had to look it up on Google Maps to even know where it was. <laughs> but we get there and we're on like the city hall marquee. Like yeah. tonight, wow. Rambling Souls, every business, <laughs> at the only poster. venue in town, yeah. and the, the place mayor was meets you, and <laughs> we played there two nights in a row. Wait, didn't we meet the mayor? We're was walking it, down the there? street. We might have. Probably. I don't know. He might be a barback at the brewery. We don't. We don't know. I was say he's probably bartending yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, it was crazy man like but and i had, i've mentioned that before you guys know i say it all the time and it co- it goes back i was told this by our good friend jordan uh when he was touring with hydra melody and he would say man oh, wow, you know, know we go guys. yeah we go and do you know we they would do la chicago new york and all this stuff and he's like but and nobody cares like, yeah he was like you'd go there and you know yeah there'd be a crowd there or whatever because it's Friday night and there's ten other bands playing or whatever, but it was like you know they weren't super invested. Yeah. Or yeah, being the know, little fish in the or the little fish in a big yeah. pond. Or of course you know right. when they went on tour with Third Eye Blind, of course right. all everybody's those at the merch table while they're playing. Exactly. Yeah. But whenever they would go to these small towns, even though if they were the headlining band, nobody had heard of them. But that's the only thing to do Every in that town no, on a Friday it night. It was crazy. Like and so we, we played. And then we were playing the next night too, and mm-hmm. we go we go walking around, and there's like this little vintage shop, and we're just in there like looking at the records and stuff. And you guys, the band that are that was playing at the, the brewery last night, awesome, dude. yeah. Oh, I'm gonna try to make it down there tonight. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. like after the first you know? night, the after, buzz, like the, the buzz in the yeah. town, just kind of cool. like went out there. I was, that. So, where was this? In Silver, Silver City? City, New Mexico. Oh, I love the, it. The funny, Silver City. The funny thing about that was that that I that I took from that whole experience, man. Aside from you know playing at a you know pretty badass little brewery, and it, it was really really cool. Uh, was we walked into like a, a thrift store, and uh, this older lady, 
and she had to have been probably like her late fifties, maybe early sixties. And it's it's Silver City for many who don't know is a place where you probably retire and you just go and just yeah, like a bunch set of retired up shop. hippies yeah. from what Amply I was told. Named. Yeah, it's yeah. Seems, it it's seems like, like a mountain bunch town. Of, it it, it, it kind of seems like if you're from Texas, it kind of seems like a Fredericksburgy kind of yeah, place. Where yeah, like, that's, that's you go there on the weekend to like go to the brewery and buy antiques and dick exactly. around. Yeah. This old lady, she was like, she recognized me. Well, I mean, of course, because I, I don't look like anything that lives in Silver City, New Mexico. <laughs> With, so, without a headdress on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, you take a look at me and about 99.9% of the people that actually, you know, make up that little town. One of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> and that was me. And she was like, hey, are you in that band? And, you know, you y'all playing over down, down the way over at, you know, at a... Uh, at the brewery, we're like, yeah, that that that's us, and you know, we'll be there tonight if you want to come and hang out. I mean, they might have like a game of dominoes, or I don't know. Hey, dude. real, real quick, real quick before before we get too sidetracked, I feel like we owe them to whoever's listening. Shout out to Little Toad Creek Brewery. Oh, yeah. big time! They're Not great. only are they the coolest people, uh, they have a fantastic beer. Oh, oh yeah. Really great staff, really cool place. If you're ever Fantastic in New Mexico. Beer. The food was amazing too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, just everything about that place is killer. So if you're ever in New Mexico, go to Silver City and ask them if you've if they remember the Rambling Souls. Speaking yeah. of uh, little towns that really seem to get down, I haven't played here, but uh, I wanted to ask if you guys have played here before and, and this is just a town that has a reputation for it's like one of those that's kind of a little bit out of the way, it gets forgotten, but everybody that I know that has gone out there says it's one of these places where the whole town comes out and it yep. just turns into a hell of a boogie. Do you know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say? San Angelo. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I, I'm gonna tell you in a minute. Horse, bro. <laughs> okay. Tell me yeah. right now. Dude. That was that was our first stop on that, that tour. That was our first stop, yeah. And, that place was and awesome. trust me, that place was that place is shout out awesome. to San Angelo, man. I haven't made it out there myself, but God, from everything I've heard, uh, you know, I am looking forward to so that was a th- definite this, great this is gonna experience. be the, the you heard it first moment. Um so as y'all know, I've been kind of keeping an eye on things in the country and like how things are going as far as, uh, um, you know, opening up and all that stuff. And uh, just got confirmation. I, I was talking to the, the guy who, who does the, uh, all the booking over there. And we got confirmation for uh, Friday, June 11th. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Friday, Thursday, June 10th. In oh. San Angelo. Oh, oh. <laughs> Un- at, the, at the Dead Horse. Unplanned announcement right there. Well, there you go. So, yeah, San Angelo is a pretty, like... You know, Beware what you wish for. I right? think I'd been there one time in my life before we played there, but the show was great. The place is great. The show was great. The people were great. Cool. Yeah, Everything was great. I've been there a few times, and man, it's it's always a good time. <laughs> cool. Very good stuff. Well, San Angelo, you guys were coming your way. Yeah. Right, so well, uh, can't wait to see you. All right. That's so, the future. Uh, what about the history? Yep. That brings <laughs> us to our next uh, our next segue. segment. We're gonna go back in time and. Uh, we're going to do what's happening in music history. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> cool. I'm all late with the buttons. I forgot to turn that back up. All right, man. Wake me up. Where are we? Okay, so today is March 12th. All right, we're going to go in chronological order here. So uh, first off, March 12th, 1969. Today's March 11th, isn't it? Is it 12th? Oh, it's the 11th. God damn it. I'm a day off. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to pretend it's March no, 12th. No wonder you found so much good well, shit on today in music history. <laughs> I was like, man, today was a really slow day. He's like, no, I found a bunch of good shit. It's going to be posted oh on the God. 12th. Yeah, so it's fine. Posted on the 12th. <laughs> All right, sorry, I broke the fourth wall there. God damn it. It's a, a, a black tooth grin, brother. Yeah, and for that, I'll give myself one of these. <laughs> we told you guys, it's been a busy week. Who gives a shit about the 11th I've, anyway, dude? I, I 
want to know about the day it was today anyways. I've just been waking up and working and then... Yeah. Screw the 11th. Dude. Tell me about the 12th. All right, We're so the 12th. Hanging. The 12th. Here we go. March 12th, 1969. Paul McCartney and Linda Eastman were uh, married. Oh, Lin- wow. Linda McCartney. Yep. That was uh, their anniversary. Um, that's the one with the one leg? No, <laughs> yeah. that's his current wife. Gotcha. That's <laughs> the one, she was, that's the one that was like on Dancing it's with Stars. honest question. Or actually, they might You're be joking. divorced by now, but that's his most recent wife. Okay. Yeah. The, Moving uh, on. Lin- 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 Linda's Linda, the one that they used to turn the sound down on when she Linda, would back up. Linda was, <laughs> Linda was a photographer, an amateur one. Wow. But uh, she's actually... I know a few of those. No, but she was actually uh, related to the Kodak you know the brand Kodak? Oh wow. She's related to a bear? So so Whoa. Linda Eastman, the company used to be called Eastman Kodak. Okay. She I was gotcha. she was part of that family. Gotcha. So she was loaded, whatever. And yeah. couldn't take a good picture. And so and so yeah, they married and she took a bunch of pictures and she ended up being in wings for no reason for like six years. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, I mean you can't you can't talk shit about the guy's wife. No, I mean, I, mean, I mean well she's, Hey bro, she yeah. sucks. You, you, you can't have Well, her. I mean, and she is since deceased, so I'm definitely not gonna talk shit about her. I'm just saying, you know. Of course. Well yeah. to move on, we have uh, another beetle that made history on this day, also in nineteen sixty nine. Uh George Harrison and his wife Patty were arrested. Uh, the charge was cannabis resin possession. Mm. Cannabis At, resin possession. After after the what? authorities found 120 joints in their house. Whoa. Okay, so <laughs> wait, so I, I feel like house? I feel like that I, has to be hashish, right? Like it's the time like, it has yeah, to be hash. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to say like, well, crossing from you know Belgium to somewhere. That, so Why the, were they in their house? They were arrested in Usher. Uh, Escher? Escher. Escher, Escher. So I think, uh, if I remember the story correctly, it was like when they were on a plane. So I'm guessing they so they got tipped off and they found shit in their house and then maybe it was like, hey, bet you he's carrying and then found something to arrest him on because he actually had it on his person. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I just pulled these and I'm reading off I'm, of a sheet. I'm so. pretty <laughs> sure every Beatle was busted at some point at some airport somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to imagine but, that they weren't. Like, but yeah, but but I mean, honestly, like, Really? Are you what asshole busts the Beatles? Like, right? Come on! It's the same asshole who's like, the one vote against Derek Jeter for like, the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> we won't go into that. Uh, we won't go into well, that. you know, not everybody likes the Yankees. Yeah, only one guy didn't. So uh, <laughs> there was an one asshole, asshole from Boston. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we won't go even, into that. Even as a non-Yankee fan, I would vote for Derek Come Jeter on. to the Hall of Fame in a not? heartbeat. How can you God, not? Heartbeat. The captain. greatest, greatest, greatest. But <laughs> it, it, if so, for everybody out there who's a Yankees fan, just tune into to episode five, okay? Just that's all I'm going to say. Oh, oh, damn! He's Is that a little sneak preview. So Ooh. I went a day ahead. Gabe has to go a week ahead. Yeah, Shit. man. Uh oh, here we go. So uh, <laughs> moving on, we have uh, yet another Beatle who made uh, made headlines on this the same day. Uh, this, however, was in 1974. Uh, it says uh, Nilsson. Not quite familiar. And John Lennon were ejected from the Troubadour Club in Los Angeles for heckling Tom Smothers' comedy act. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Damn. Wow. You got heckled by a Beatle. How do you take that? Is that a badge of honor or is that like, uh, is that God, even more man. embarrassing? Like, uh, bringing it back real quick to uh, George's wife, Patty Harrison. Uh, Who fun fact. In soul. Fun fact the song Layla. Is about Patty Harrison and oh, Eric, yeah. and Eric Clapton right. getting uh, because, her to fucking because leave him. she was having an affair with Eric Clapton, who was George Harrison's best friend at no the way. time. Yeah, 
Yep, yep. And then she ended up divorcing them both, so they they were friends again uh, <laughs> until until the time that George Harrison died. So you know, wow. But yeah, fun fact: Layla is about George Harrison's wife. Very interesting. <laughs> so maybe you should rename your guitar Patty. <laughs> no. I nah, Layla. I don't know. Layla seems to get passed around a lot. He better believe I'm gonna be That's fine, getting my hands on that, Layla. That's fine. That's fine. There's That's no fine. way you bring that guitar around me and I don't play it. Maybe you can rent her out. I mean, if slow, if slow, if slow hand, if slow hand wanted to, you know, you know, make a pass. I mean, I, I definitely let him. You know. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have 1991. I think Hav. I think I think you said you were a fan of these guys. I never really quite caught on, but uh. The REM album, Out of Time, was released for any REM fans there. Yes. Never really was my cup of tea, but I respect their, their career and what they did and contributed. Um, in 1996, Kiss released the album uh, MTV Unplugged. Oh, dude. Oh, wow. wow. I have been listening to the freaking loving shit out of that album all week long. Yeah, that, that was the uh, that was the no makeup era too, right? Love oh, of dude. course. That's my favorite non makeup era. Do the revenge years? You. I was a kiss freak all my life, dude. I, I almost like the revenge era more than. Don't, don't crucify say me for this. Don't say it. All right, I won't. It's okay to say it. <laughs> it's okay to say it. Yeah, dude. Chances are, all Eric Singer, you. Bruce Kulick, dude, the, and the songwriting and the musicianship just it, it was it was up a couple notches, dude. I'm I'm sorry. Like I will ca- I I will be the one to take this bullet. Kiss, badass. So much influence, so much that would not exist without Kiss. I'm wearing a Marilyn Manson t-shirt right now. Would not exist without Kiss. But they weren't necessarily about the music, per se, especially at the beginning of their career. Absolutely. So much as they were about the show and the image. Well, that's why... And they brought a lot of the show and the image and the branding to rock and roll. But that's what I mean. That To that yeah. point, it's like, is, if you look at those early live uh, uh, concert footage, like from the, you know, first live era, kind of around there, and uh, you, like, the show is out, out of this world. You know, we all know that. But uh, listen to Paul Stanley. Listen, it's... It's a little, it's a little. It's a little. Nah, but man. dude, fast forward, dude. Listen to that uh, that Kiss Alive three, uh, Madison Square Garden, dude. Dude, Paul Stanley, fucking phenomenal, dude. Eric Singer, Bruce Kulick, Gene Simmons, uh, dude, well, uh, the music, the writing, and all that shit. When, when the makeup came off and the bombs and the explosion, and all that stuff went away. They had to, they had to write better songs, well, and the, I think they did. The makeup dude. came off and. Better musicians came into the project, yeah, yeah, yeah. which elevated everybody else. Do one of the forgotten? Uh, this is this was actually almost made it to one of my playlists in the in the, in the weeks past, but I, I ended up kind of keep bumping it for something else. But one of the uh, most underrated uh, love battles of all time, forever. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Beth. No, 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 no. That's too on the nose, man. That's, too on, that, that's too on the nose. If, if, if you're a Kiss fan or if somebody has even heard of them and you don't know that song, Beth, then yeah. yeah. You, you got to remember that Mauricio's certified card-carrying Kiss Army. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wait, I got a question for you. Who do you guys think would win if it was Kiss Army versus Greta Van Fleet's Peaceful Army? Oh, come on. The, the Kiss Army would beat the shit out of Greta Van Fleet's Army. Come on, man. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Flower Power? 
Yeah, man. they would beat the shit out of them. I'm pretty sure they're beefing on the street whenever they but, run into but, each but other talk, already. Talk but about, I don't about... appreciate the hating on Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Okay, so so realistically, though, the Kiss, Kiss Army guys are, are probably going to be pretty old and like and, you know frail. like that whole that that little uh-huh, flower power. Huh? Uh, you know what? If it weren't for the hippies in the '60s and the real actual flower power movement, none of the music that you love to this day would exist. Hey, dude, acid so, still exists. Just because no, not like it used to, and so. <laughs> So the way I heard that in your voice. Dude. So the fact dude, that these that was, the that, fact yeah, that, that these kids heart. who are like way younger than even Austin are like what trying to do that, dude. They are, bro. I know they are. So the fact that they're like no bones about it. Yes, this is where we're coming from. Yes, we're trying to copy this. I, I'm yes, just, I'm just. We really, have no problem being photographed in makeup or dresses or holding flowers or whatever. I really think they're breaking a mold. I, th- I think they don't get enough credit. Well, I really I, I, I'm admittedly kind of kind of bitter like, with them because of I, the whole and I get it. Thing. I get it. Like they're they're a Zeppelin rip, and we all get it. But that doesn't mean like that they're not. Good. That hey, just means what's that guitarist name though? That guy's fucking bad. Uh, is it Sam or which Jake. one is he? No, Jake? Jake is the guitarist. Sam's the bass player. Yeah, Sam's awesome. The ba- oh yeah, he, he's uh, like Sam the John Jones of the, the band. Uh, Jake Kiska. Jake is yeah, a Jake guitarist. Kiska. That is a bad motherfucker. But, yeah. but right quick, the last thing for Kiss, um, dude. I, I think he's heavily like he's overlooked, obviously, because of course you know the rest of the guys. But dude, Vinnie Vincent is a badass guitar player. Vinnie Vincent did Creatures of the Night. No? Yeah, dude. And was it, he the first it, one after uh, Ace? Yeah. Which one was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the first and, one? Yeah. Okay. So and that was when there was like a huge, huge hiatus, right? And uh, when he fucking took place, bro, and he he played like the guy is just like fucking bad, man. I mean. But anyways, is he a giant dick? Because Ace Freely is a giant. Well, dick. check this out. I actually met Ace Freely. No. I met Ace, Ace Freely. Cool, dude. Ace Freely's cool. Shit. I met Ace when he was playing uh, his last show that he played here over I at Fitzgerald's, and uh, I didn't know that this motherfucker was like fucking eight feet tall, and he reminded me so much. Like, is that, it really, dude? Yeah. So my who's bro- that? Ace Freely. My really? brother calls me up and he goes, "Hey, bro, right there at the airport Hilton here in San Antonio, about a block away from Fitzgerald's." He goes, "Hey, bro, fucking uh, the spaceman dude, he's here, bro. Like he's staying here at our at the hotel, <laughs> and uh, he his whole crew, <laughs> his, his whole crew is chilling there at the fucking bar, right? And these are old fucking rocker dudes that you yeah. see like at the." You know, point the Iron Maiden tribute shows like at Bonds and and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go and fucking strike up conversation. So I go up in there. I'm like, hey, dudes, y'all wouldn't be in chance by going to the show tonight at Fitzgerald's, right? And they're like, we're working it, bruh, and like heavy New York accents and shit. I'm like, oh, those are his boys, you know, roadies. And uh, I was yeah. like, dude, I'm gonna be there, and I'm fucking stoked or whatever. And I, I'm from Houston, and you know, I'm staying down here for this show too, man. That's pretty cool that you guys are there. And they're like. Oh, we don't want to miss a show, man. You know, like they were just going off, and sure enough, my brother's like, "Dude, he's coming, he's coming down, dude." And like, of course, he comes down with like a couple of other people, and he's walking through. He's wearing a coat, and he's just fucking. You can tell the dude's still a fucking rock star, you know. And he passes by, and he goes outside. And he's on the curb, and he's smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, "When are you gonna ever have a chance just to go and say what's up to fucking Ace Freely, right?" <laughs> right. So I did, dude. man. And as I'm approaching him, it's just like. Like this dude is just this fucking and, huge ass. And statue. for you guys listening, Gabe is not a short guy. Right? And this yeah, like six two. This yeah. guy is a fucking <laughs> mammoth, bro. And I was just like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. And I was just like, Hey, brother, good luck with the show tonight. And he goes, Ah, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, just <laughs> oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Just yeah. like that. And I was like, Wow, that's fucking Ace Freely, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. So. 
pretty cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, so uh, I guess going off of the last one, the kiss thing, um, we have 1998. It says, uh, I don't know if I'm pronounced. I can barely fucking read. Uh, Kathy, Kathy, Pacific Airways uh, announced that they have banned Liam Gallagher of Oasis after an incident on on a flight from Hong Kong to Australia. Wow. I can kind of see that one. Uh, An incident with Liam Gallagher? Yeah. I don't don't believe you. (laughs) I don't believe you at all. Uh, An uh, incident? I think think it's pretty safe to say that he was probably drunk and belligerent. I was going to say, I don't imagine alcohol was involved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, here's what. So uh, our next one, this is kind of, I don't, I vaguely remember something like this happening, but I don't know if I remember the... Details. Anyways, Corn uh, uh, served a case, uh, a cease and desist uh, demand to Michigan assistant principal, the the high school, the high school and the district, uh, who suspended a student for wearing a T-shirt that has the band's name on it. So, I what year was this? This is uh, 1998. I vaguely remember something like this, that, but I this I was, was, was that was at the height of yes, the dude. Maryland Manson right. mania. Exactly, I was going to say, was that around Columbine? Trench yeah. coats and video yeah. games. The trench coat mafia. Oh, my God. The yeah. Matrix, dude. Oh, yeah, my. This is at the height of the Maryland Manson hysteria. Good Lord, memory yeah. lane, dude. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, as someone who was a teenager during that time, it only made us like them more. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. goes back to... The same thing happened back with uh, that makes sense. with Twisted Sister and the whole congressional hearings about you know the parental advisory shit, and they were like, oh well, we'll just make sure we put a Typical big thing on all it. that stuff, and yeah. then and then all everybody <laughs> everybody like all everybody the bands went out and those were like, yeah, they all went out and bought the records, so all the bands were like, all right, we got to start saying fucking every album we drop, so we can have yeah, that, dude. Yeah. Then but it, it got, if you didn't it got have ridiculous. The, if you didn't have the parental advisory uh, a sticker on your nobody record, wanted your shit. You no. were not fucking yeah. cool. Like I know <laughs> as as a thirteen year old, if the record didn't have a parental advisory sticker on it, I was prone to not buy Absolutely, it. You know, dude. funny stories. I actually went to Walmart to go buy. Um, it was this, that second Limp Biscuit album that had like a uh, no chocolate and all that. starfish. No, that was that was after that one. Oh. Uh, but I, I went to Walmart to buy it, not realizing that they had censored oh, stuff. Oh yeah, oh, I was gonna say. And then like Walmart. I put the CD no on, and, and then break stuff comes on, and it was all like no silent. Way. <laughs> oh, yeah, Walmart throw that away. Throw that away. Walmart. I was so mad. Walmart censored the censored people's cover art. They made them change their lyrics. They made them change their their song titles. Like oh well, dude. One of the of most that. famous. Anti. One of the most famous Walmart things was uh, the Nirvana thing when uh, In Utero came out, and that song oh. "Rape Me" is yeah. on there. Yeah, and Walmart would not sell it unless they changed it to "Hate Me." And so you will still find an edited version of that song somewhere out there. That's called, probably a collector's item called right now. "Hate Me," where they have just changed the name and. <laughs> The well, that, I mean, that, yeah, that whole of the vocal. How that song is was hate super me better than uh, just the thought process? Sometimes, dude, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's like the uh, was it the MPAA or whatever that assigns the ratings to movies. Like, it, there's not really a criteria. It's just like this well, floating. Well, this like, was the PMRC, okay. and it was fun fact started by everyone's favorite former vice president's oh, wife, of course. Tipper Gore. Of yeah. course, <laughs> gotta love Tipper. Yeah. Yeah, and so she started that shit. This was long before Al Gore was even vice president. She was, right. yeah, she was just part of the committee. But yeah, mm-hmm. she was on that committee. And yeah, it was the PMRC. And that those were the people who brought Twisted Sister, who brought Dee Snyder to, to Congress. So think yeah. about it. So and you got, that. this was Tipper Gore, and that was what, 89? It was like, like the, that. 
Maybe super late eighties, super early late eighties, right? Like, so, then, that one, up, so then we're talking about fast forward ten years, ninety eight, the, the Matrix era, where you're talking about the corn thing, Marilyn Manson was under fire, all that kind of stuff. And what happened just a few days, a few years later, um, talking about censorship and all that stuff. Obviously, two thousand one, the year that changed the world, and so a lot of uh, censorship started taking place that year, where they a lot of music was ripped off of the shelves, movies were ripped off the shelves, and a certain type of vibe was being pushed. Now, one of the interesting things is that Imagine from John Lennon was banned from airwaves and from TV for a while. Oh yeah, that makes you think a little bit because of the Imagine There's No Heaven line. Well, not only that, but no God above us. Not only that, but we're about to go to fucking war, and they didn't want people. And they didn't want to think about Imagine Peace. No, it's communist. So, but but also think talking about the Walmart thing. Walmart completely banned. Rage Against the Machine's entire catalog. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that's when, happier than a pig and shit. That's but, when they went and did their little Walmart but, tour and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean... In protest. But I mean, what band would be happier to not be sold in Walmart than <laughs> Rage Against the Machine? You know what and, I mean? And, you know, talking about that censorship or whatever, I remember when my oldest brother bought the fucking Black Crows album, Amorica. And, and we, they censored out the bush? We, yeah, so <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember him actually getting the album wow. from Sam Goody. That if you know for you all listening at home oh, and geez, I, little, I still know what that album cover looks yes. like. If y'all, are, if y'all are fellow San Antonians, uh, it was a Sam Goody, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was over at uh, Crossroads Mall. Yep, yep. And downstairs at I re- Crossroads. I remember Mall. that I used CD to catch cover the bus to River Center, and I was just Sam like, you know, I was just like, whoa, what the heck? And then I remember now, fast forward, like my middle brother and his buddies or whatever, having then gotten a uh, copy. Copying a copy of that, a copy, a copy. Um, <laughs> and it was the black background with just the American flag. Right, right, right. Yeah, but originally it was a close up of a woman's crotch, and she was wearing an American flag bikini, and like she had a bunch of pubic hair sticking out, like the sides and the okay. top. And now, stuff. now the cool thing I is, I didn't even know this. I yeah. don't even know. And this that was the cover. So the cool thing this. about and you this could see, is, like, her legs and her yeah. like thighs. It was just a real close up, like real close vignette, like shutter. So the light was only on her crotch mm-hmm. and you could see that she was wearing an American flag. The bikini. cool thing about that bikini though that she's wearing uh aside from just holding back, you know, the fucking rock and roll is um <laughs> the way the way the actual flag is depicted on that is like th- when they fold it up after someone has been has been, been, has has passed. been, has been buried and they give you the flag yeah, the triangle. Fold. It's a triangle fold because it's a triangle bikini yeah. and yeah. so they have it in that Exact position. How it would look. So that is so, so they have like crazy. the folded up, the folded up Tons dead soldier flag over a woman's crotch, and apparently that was too much for some people. Yeah, man. And it was sorry, America. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the PMRC hard, just to just to round it up was formed in 1985 with the stated goal of increasing parental control of the access of children to music deemed to have violent, drug-related, or sexual themes. So 1985, violent drugs, sexual themes. Basically, they just didn't want people buying hip hop albums, right? And NWA and rock bands started getting thrown into that too. Hey, big uh, cheers but, to uh, but D. that Snyder. definitely worked out. Big cheers to <laughs> D. Snyder for carrying the. Flag for, all the yeah, way to for this, um, Super Balls too. I, I never knew he was that videos. eloquent until I saw that. that yeah, video. no, he's. If he, you've ever seen those so videos, like dude. such composure, oh, yeah. such poise. Like yeah. let that be a lesson. Hell Don't yeah. let the long, crazy hair and tattoos was, fool you. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, no, the whole thing. also, like, who better to choose to speak before Congress than the hard ro- than the one hard rock guy that you could find who like doesn't drink or do drugs? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Somebody did not do their research. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they did. They did. They're like, hey, this guy is sober. Let's have him talk to Congress. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, so speaking of censorship, that uh, brings us to our next date. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys to guess here in a second. So uh, in 2003, the Chinese government ordered the Rolling Stones to eliminate four songs from their upcoming performances in Shanghai and Beijing. The band's uh, the band songs were any guesses? Oh man, give me shelter. Give me shelter would be my first one. Sympathy for the devil. No, no but they're probably more overtly sexual ones, right? Okay. I, to me, I, I can't imagine except for like one of them, maybe. I'm not good at guessing. I got no you clue. Just give them to me. Okay, so uh, brown sugar. What do you guys think that? Got oh well, I could see that if you've actually listened to the lyrics. But I could see that being canceled in the U.S. way before China. I don't understand why China would have a problem with it. I love brown sugar. Dude. I, I don't get it. Um, like you know the lyrics though, like yeah. Gold Coast slave ship. Like, there you go. Oh, it, dude, there's certain words that you yeah, can say like, in China, so that like, makes sense. Like yeah, the yeah. songs about sure. a slave market and oh, brown sugar, brown why sugar, you gotcha. taste so good? Oh, like yeah. white man, black girl. Gotcha. Like, that like it's, it's kind of like kind of uh, risque. The banana boat song, but <laughs> it's from the '60s, and like I said earlier, like it's just a product of its time. You can't judge the art, right? Okay. Well, no, I mean it was yeah. like the so, banana boat song because uh, was it Sidney Poitier or whatever? Everybody knows that song hey, oh, the banana boat song. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. about like a fucking banana plantation and you yeah. know, slaves you know fucking they can't go home until the sun goes down all that kind of shit yeah <laughs> you were saying so um the what? next one listed uh i can kind of see this one just because uh she blew my nose and then she blew my mind oh yeah honky tonk woman Woo. Okay. i can see that getting banned in china um yeah i um, mean there's really no there's really no hiding around that hiding behind that yeah. metaphor <laughs> Yeah. How can how, uh, how can you disguise it? Yeah. So, uh, beast of burden. I, I was that one, but I, just because whatever you said, easy, overtly dude. sexual. That one's I was easy. Like, beast of burden, okay. dude. They're like, I mean, I mean, yeah, I know, but I know they have an aversion to the devil, and and so like anything imagery, anything like uh, spiritual like that. Um, beast. I thought maybe you could make burden? a tie in. No, it's I don't know. It beast must, of burden it, is like horses about, and oxen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was about yeah. to say it must not have been the year of the ox. Like, no, it's, I don't understand. Burden isn't anything. <laughs> I give you a round of applause <laughs> for that one. It's just about being. You, I don't want to be. I don't want to be your husband. I don't want to. No, it, it's not. It's it's like I don't want to be your workhorse. I don't want to yeah. be your. Ah, like, maybe maybe you're onto something. There. Yeah, and that that is why China wouldn't like it. Absolutely, because of that that spirit of like, right. dude, I am worth way more than working for you. Mm. I ain't just your beast of burden. I ain't just your communist worker. <laughs> I could see that being a problem to the Chinese yeah, government. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, now that we now that we that. talk about it a second, I think we're I think we got it. I think that's why they hate that song. Sure. Right, Which so is too bad because that song's amazing. The next one I think might have been yeah, a little too on the nose play that for figuring shop. this out. But um I mean it's not that bad. Let's spend the night together. Any any idea? No? Let's that's spend horrible. The night together. I I just feel like that title maybe. Who it's fucking like, knows like, what the Chinese are thinking, dude? I mean, you know. Uh, it's a different uh, different world over there, man. But uh, okay, so the last thing on my I, or uh, my list of items. Here's one for you, Mauricio. In Santiago, what? Chile, Iron Maiden's plane Ed Force One was oh. damaged when a ground that can't, a ground tug. That, <laughs> that has to be a typo. Something collided with the the with two of the jet engines. They had a tug wow. on the ground. Interesting. Yeah, so it was grounded. I guess they couldn't get on. Yeah. I guess. But yeah. that will do it for our uh, This Day in History. 
uh, music history. Tomorrow in history. Uh, nobody knows when we're recording. You know, we bank <laughs> stuff, so. Oh, wait. That was a little bit of a behind-the-scenes thing. I, I don't know if I should have said that. Yeah, you broke the, th- you broke the fourth wall. <laughs> it's cool. it's like all good. Times. Oh man! Gabe so, keeps signaling things like we're not on camera this week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so this, oh, yeah. this is actually the first episode that we are uh, we're, we're videoing. We're gonna be putting everything on YouTube. So if you're seeing it on YouTube, I mean, obviously you know it's here. Um, but if you're listening on uh, you know any of your podcasting you know formats or whatever, uh, if you want to check us out, just go to the Rambling Souls page, man. Just look us up on YouTube, and we have our our artist page, and that's where we're gonna be posting everything. So. Um, Anyways, uh, let's move on. I think this would be a good time for our playlist. Yeah, let's do it. So, guys, if you guys, if y'all listened to the last uh, last few episodes, <laughs> we've been going a little bit long and ranting a bit, and uh, no way. Yeah, I mean, you know. so we actually trimmed down the selections for the playlist just in the interest of time, and we don't want to bore any of you guys at home. So, even though we're getting into the sometimes heated debates and little nuggets of knowledge and everything. Um, yeah, so we trimmed it down to where each of us just picked one song to throw on the, the playlist. So uh, these songs should be speaking for themselves. Um, hopefully you guys are checking it out. It's on Spotify. Uh, all you got to do is look up the Rambling Souls playlist. Damn. Oh, man. All right, for that. Okay, so every time you hit the mic, that. you have to take a shot. Just knocked it, man. Just knocking it around. No. I was just testing the durability. Knocking it around? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, they say, Headphone they say warning. These mics are super durable. Just, Headphone come on. They used to <laughs> be, on. man. Man, sure, mics, you used to be able to chuck them across the bar. Yeah, it was before they started making them in Rolling Stones, ban in China. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. That was nice. Can you give them oh, a applause? Oh, yeah. There we, there we go. go. There we go. There we go. Okay, so making sure that works <laughs> so anyways getting back to the playlist uh yeah so we're each picking one and i guess i'll i'll kick it off with my uh speaking of communists uh you, you got a song about california right something like that. <laughs> coming from the cali boy i know was that's that, was, that's, that's that the a, joke that's, that's the, the joke because i'm from california and i love california i'm sorry i love that. california too <laughs> <laughs> now I, I i do i just you know i miss texas too much when i get, when i leave but other than that cali's cool um so my pick is from a band called dirty honey yeah. Right. I love them. Yeah. If you guys love aren't familiar with them, you definitely need to check them out because they have this total like, I mean, it's, it's at times it's, it's kind of reminiscent of, of Aerosmith. I mean, I'd say Aerosmith and there's GNR. Defi- yeah, there's definitely like a GNR there's, thing. Like, there's so much Black Crows in there too. Yes, I feel yes. that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, but, but where did Black like, Crows get their influence no, from? Well, Aerosmith and GNR. No, Black I mean, Crows were on. contemporaries of GNR. Like they existed like. Before GNR, I'm did pretty sure. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel like they weren't like no, popular. I would, if I were 80s. just guessing, I would think that GNR got more from the Black Crows than the other way around. Well, but I, I guess I, I guess but, I don't know about the timeline as much. But Aerosmith well, definitely. Well, hold on, we, we we are talking about Dirty Honey though. Not I know, but what I'm saying is that they remind me. If you had to pick one band, if I had to pick one band that they remind me of, I think they remind me of the Black Crows more. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Tesla vibe from those guys, dude. Oh, I can hear a little oh, bit. Oh, that's of that. there's yeah. nothing wrong with that at this all. The singer is fucking yeah. killer. Y'all. See what what's Man, crazy awesome. about 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 Dirty Honey and especially that singer is like he's got range and believe me at some point the song Rolling Sevens is going to make it onto the playlist regardless of who picks it. Like somebody's going to pick it. So I know. Yeah. I've, that's but, uh, been like <laughs> we've kind of been beating around the bush on yeah. that. And you were just the first one to bring in Dirty Honey, so well, now that so it's like open. The, re- the reason why I picked this one, I mean this is this is a fresh song to me cuz they just released it, it here like in the last it. week. Um it's such a good like it's just such a good vibe, and, and and to me, like I, I've been waiting for them to do some follow up from that first EP that they did, 
And this is very much in line with what they were doing. And at first I was kind of like, oh, this just kind of sounds like the same or whatever. But then I was like, I, it, it just dawned on me. I'm like, no, this is like their sound. No, yeah, this is I what mean, they sound like. This is yeah. a continuation a great, of, of who they yeah. are. I'm pretty it's sure that I'm pretty sure that they spent most of their tour the last time without an actual drummer. I don't like know a hired gun, yeah. Just fill like, it in. Like, like, didn't you meet them? The game? Yeah, and I actually met them when they opened up for Alter Bridge here in town, and uh, it's the same. It's the same like four no, piece say, oh, is it? that they've actually been out. I must because I met them too. I just must be misremembering like, a story from Gabe. That's six all. or seven months after you did. Yeah, but, I met him in Austin. But to answer your question, the Black Crows were formed as a band one year before the Guns and Roses. Wow, so I really? guess they, they okay. technically go what dude. Like, Real quick, do you want to? Cool the story? Black Crows were formed in 1984, Four. and Guns N' Roses was formed in 1985. No. So once again, folks, I, I just want to let y'all know, uh, Hav is doing double duty tonight. <laughs> I'm doing Way John's off. job too. Yeah, yeah. Since, since we're without John tonight, and John, we miss you, brother. Because <laughs> yeah, we, there's a lot of uh, and right quick, right, right quick. If again, Marsh, leave if it to Marshall, the young guy to fuck it up. You know, if <laughs> Marshall Amplification is listening to this, and uh, we'll do whatever it is in which we can to hopefully maybe reach out to them so that way they can hear this. Is uh, I'm a big fan. This is Gabe Jimenez, one of the guitar <laughs> players you're talking. I'm a big fan of the Silver Jubilee, and I will take a reissue, <laughs> yeah. whether if it's just save me the taxes on that, and I'll even pay the shipping and all that, you know. But uh, Rich Robinson and um, both, of course, you know, Slash were were notably the ones who pretty much took the '87 Silver Jubilee out and, and uh, rocked that out. So, um, quick plug. So- so Austin, just just to give you a little bit of validation, the Black Crow's debut album did not come out until 1990. So they See, were a band for six years. Them, I always thought of them as a 90s. They were a band for six years before Shake Your Shake Money Maker came out. Yes. Okay. Uh, but still, I would I never saw the Black Crow contemporary. You, you guys ever see the Black like, Crows? I never yeah. saw them. They're I have seen band. the Black Crows. I yes. saw them at Bonnaroo. In, in Manchester, Tennessee. I did. I did show. not see Good. the Black really? Crows at the time I went to Bonnaroo, but I did see them in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, they were fantastic. So, hey, moral of the story: cool. If you like br- Black Crows, you'll love Dirty. <laughs> you'll love Dirty Honey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah so, honest. getting back to the, the whole pick. <laughs> moral of the story. So, the reason the reason why I picked that is one because I mean, d- despite the fact that they have a lot of really good material, I thought this song was really cool because of how coming from from an angle of hearing was it like five or six songs off the EP. They left me wanting like so much out of them for a follow up. Oh, yeah. Like I've been dying to hear more stuff from oh, them. Dude, the that first song I ever so heard from them, I actually saw a clip. I was on Instagram and and, and a Sirius had posted uh, they were doing an acoustic version of one of their jams uh, uh, in the 70s. studio. And uh, dude, just from that first song, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, those guys. Are I bad. was so, so impressed. This, this one really it, it doesn't disappoint. And, and what it, what caught me off guard was the guitar work. Even I mean, we knew this guy was fucking ridiculous. Like he's he's, he's, he's a bad motherfucker. Um, but I mean, he has the phrasing on his solo and everything. It's like, if you thought, if you thought he was ripping off slash, if you thought he was ripping off whoever, like, no, just shut up and listen to this dude. Like you're, you're going to hear like, it's, it's, it's his own sound. The thing that I love about this band, dude, is that of course, like you hear it and and, and you hear all those sounds and and certain kind of signature, uh, uh, musical aspects that they're going to be reminiscent to a lot of our favorite kind of classic bands and classic rock stuff and and the, the stuff that takes us back to the old days. But to me, the songs are written in a way that it's it's not it's not just the same old thing, dude. It's yeah, not no, just it's like, not a, there's a lot of layers. <laughs> yes, dude. I mean, it's the cool. musical, uh, the songwriting with these guys is fucking great, dude. I, I love it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to dominate the time. I think it's uh, time to move on to Austin. No, for sure. Yeah, um, I was going to say just one thing. The only thing 
against the dirty honey thing that I have is like, ah, dude. Even being from California, I'm just like over the obligatory California song, like <laughs> to me. Gotcha. But as a song, it's great. The riff is amazing. The riff is super funky. It's real bluesy. Uh, the solo is amazing, and you know the writing of it is great. But I don't know, like that's that was my only turn off whenever I first saw the like. The title, I was like, oh, man, another song about California, you know. One more. But, well, in that case, throw us for a loop, dude. This one's going way hold out on. there. One more fun fact about Dirty Honey. Um, the single, When I'm Gone, reached number one on mainstream rock song chart, which makes them the first unsigned band to ever top that chart. I think that's, that's awesome. the one. Hey, you know, and for that... Yeah, round Absolutely. of applause, man. For real. <laughs> that so, is insanely hard to do. Yeah, that is that is legitimate. Crazy. Like paving that's an the way, dude. Paving the way. That's also. an achievement. Yeah. So going across the country, uh, I picked Stevie Wonder, "Living for the City." Um, Killer song. It's it's one of those. I've always been a huge fan of storytelling songs and things like that. That like really, um, while you're listening to it, you can picture a performance of you know, a depiction of that song. Um, and it's just so vividly well done and well written. Um, it's a really important song, you know, the message and everything like that behind it. But outside of that, man, just that, that vocal line along with the orchestration. You know, all of that is just... And the fact it's that he so recorded good. all and of that stuff yeah, so, by himself. Yeah, I've brought this okay, up before. That the show. was news to me. That is so. I knew that one hundred percent true. I knew that every instrument, every vocal part. That's insane. That's so insane. it's just all him. So I mean, I believe he also produced the album. If that makes it even more mind blowing. Obviously, you. you know, I wasn't alive uh, when these well, songs none were of us released. Were. None of us were. So you know, my introduction old. to Stevie Wonder and uh, music was a compilation album. And uh, the compilation album had it was like throughout his whole life, so it started from a live little performance, Stevie Wonder, a live performance. <clears throat> yeah, the first track was a live performance. I don't want to say, and and that's when he yeah. was known as Little Stevie Wonder. Yeah. and yeah. so it it started from there, and it climbs all the way through. And living for the city is like smack dab in the middle. middle. Yeah. You know, when he's in his younger adulthood and he's realizing everything that's going on and the injustices and everything. So, but again, aside from all of that, like, it's just an incredible, incredible mark to not only musicianship, but artistry. Like, I looked that up earlier when we were talking. The mm -hmm. album that that's on, Inner Visions, like, yeah. general, like, regarded universally, yeah. universally as a classic. Yeah. But... Released in 1973, it's his 16th album. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Golly. Such a... Like, geez. 16 albums in 1973. Yeah. By, by 1973. By 1973. Yeah. And his career probably started in the mid-60s. Yeah, so, so he was just yeah. kicking out material like... Just, yeah, just God. insane. And just and doing it all himself, like and, you said, like playing. And you know every that brings up this whole other thing. They say that if you have like less ability in one sense, all of your other senses get heightened. Like, mm -hmm. does yeah, his, he have clearly like, his disability became a superpower? Yeah, clearly his disability Dude. became a superpower. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, does he have perfect pitch? Does he oh, have yeah. like oh, extremely yeah. good he's relative? Definitely pitch? one of those. No, that's I, think, considered. I think he's got perfect pitch. <laughs> like, I think he's got to be damn close. I honestly to be in. like. I perfect pitch is something that like once I. 
uh, being in the band world, you know, in high school and stuff, it's not as rare. I mean, it is pretty rare. It's out rare. of no, out of four hundred kids, there'd be like two that would right. Have it, but you know? keep in mind that in the band world, that's four hundred kids out of like. Four thousand yeah, that wouldn't even be interested in exactly. in band because they fair. don't have perfect. And that's pitch. fair. So it is it is rare, but if for of hearing someone like him, like hearing what he did, I can definitely say like he he had it. He, he has fucking to, had right. It. He like, had it. I knowing that it's not like one in a million. It's yeah. you know one in a thousand maybe, but right. yeah, he definitely had it. I personally have really strong relative pitch, but I do not have perfect pitch. Yeah. But from what I have read and seen, I don't really want perfect pitch anyway. Oh, speak because for yourself. I want it so bad. No, no, no. Like <laughs> you, do, you do want it, but at the same time, you don't because it makes everything that you hear annoying. Yeah. No, definitely. Like, you I have had, to keep that in mind. And also, it is a scientifically proven fact. You cannot keep your perfect, perfect pitch past the age of 50 or so. Really? After the age of 50 your perfect pitch starts to stray up to 50 cents sharp or flat. Look it up. Every major, every major person alive today with perfect pitch that no longer has it has a YouTube video talking about how traumatic it was to lose their perfect pitch. Aside Stevie Wonder. Yeah, so I'm glad I don't have it. That's interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. No, I definitely knew, like, I knew a couple kids. There was, like, two in band, yeah. and we would always... You know, and it was one of those things where we're like, nah, you're full of shit. You're just getting no, lucky. No, but they can do it. No, and we would, dude, we would just test it. We, every once in a while, yeah. and, you know, with the piano, he'd be across the room just hitting a note on the piano, A sharp. Yeah. And then we would get even more, and we'd just sing a tone. Just, ah, uh, and he'd be like, uh, that's a way, that's like in between G and G sharp, but okay. And it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, how how do you know that? So, dude, like, I, was, I, I was all proud of the fact that I was, I'd be able to find like a C, because to me that's like last night was, from the Strokes, or like yeah. an A from... Uh, you know, it was a, the Beatles song that starts up with the feedback. I'm in love with her and I feel I fine. I feel fine. Yeah, I feel fine. Yeah. 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 The, that's how I would tune my guitar when I didn't have... I used to tune... I would use Inner Sandman. I thought it was Safari song, bro. I used to... <laughs> so, first used of all, use A sharp? Because the E. A sharp? What? <laughs> like, first of all, I've been trying to... I've been waiting to say something. A sharp? Yeah, well, I mean, as a guitar player, you should speak in sharps. I understand, whatever. And I was a band nerd, so yeah, brass was As sharps. a guitarist in a band of guitarists, we're all going to speak in sharps. <laughs> I thought we but were band as of a drummers. band of drummers, we speak in flats, That's sir. Usually I speak... Dude, I saw... I read a chord chart that had uh, C flat. I should, you okay, know. so the yeah was for the look that I just gave off. Okay, that's what yeah, that was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on, Gabe, your pick is one of my all-time favorite songs, Dude, so I'm excited. <clears throat> 1971, bro, Who's Next album, the band The Who, Babbo O'Reilly. I mean, you cannot go wrong with the song for just so many reasons. This is so payback. For, for a lot of y'all, it is not <laughs> called Teenage Wasteland. Yeah. I hate when people call oh it. Oh my God. Hey yeah. dude, which, Teenage Wasteland. Which is, which is crazy because like that, that the, the term, you know, like the, 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 the line in there about Teenage Wasteland, um, I, I had seen a, um, an interview with uh, Pete Townsend and he said that that was like something that kind of was in the regards of him kind of trying to make sense of like the whole Woodstock thing and everybody getting so loaded and having to be in that place with like no water, no food. And it was just something that, of course, they didn't obviously think was going to be as big as in which it was. But anyways, that album, man, I, you got you, there's so many songs on there. Um, all of them are great. Bargain, 
Behind Blue Eyes. I mean, won't get fooled again. Who's next is one of my all time favorite. It's a great, it's a great album. And to think that that song was even going to make the cut for that, because of course, you know, with the whole rock opry that that Townsend had had, and then I guess when he just maybe presented that idea with maybe a million others, um, everything just kind of just ended up falling into place. And the cool thing about that, and the reason why I um, I, I picked that song, is because from time to time, you know, you just start gravitating to listening to like certain artists or whatever for like a week or two, and you just really go on like this whole binge. Um, I was listening to uh, a lot of uh, Pearl Jam, and um, I still got the VHS. Whoa. I still got the VHS uh, live at Madison Square Garden. Wow! And um, they get up there and they always do a rendition of like you know "Rocking in the Free World" and Sweet. and and this song "Babel O'Reilly," and uh, I just remember thinking to myself like how when things come full circle in the sense where if I can go back to that, that moment, dude, at the Frank Irwin center in Austin, Texas and seeing, you know, the, the, the who celebrating the 50 years, uh, the 50 year marker anniversary of the band and seeing, you know, Roger Daltrey. And, and of course, um, uh, Pete Townsend get up there and play that song with Pino Palladino on the bass and stuff. Wow. Of course, Pose, God rest his soul, the souls of, you know, John N whistle and, and Keith moon. That right there was like a moment for me to be like, whoa, holy shit, this is fucking, this is rock and roll history, man. You know, you got still Roger Daltrey up there swinging the mic. You got Pete Townsend doing the whole windmill fucking approach on the guitar. And the cool thing about that was, um, you know, I also got to see Pearl Jam perform that song uh, on an encore in Dallas. And it was just so cool to see everybody just having the best time. Did they do the synth part? Oh, dude! Everything was just down to the to the T, bro. Yeah. And 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 it's not so much because these guys, like Pearl Jam, for instance, are just great musicians. But I think out of respect, you know what oh, I mean. Yeah. You kind of just got to take it to that next. level. There are certain level. songs you don't fuck with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And seeing the Who perform live, at least half of the Who, if you will, uh, that right there for me was just enough to be like, dude, bucket list. Donzo, you know, and cool. It's a great song, man. Great album and a great band. Yeah, yeah so I, I got to add real fast. One of the things when I was learning how to play drums, well, first off, I, I think we covered this in, in episode one, but uh, I mean, we're a band of, of multi-instrumentals. So um, even though I'm the guitarist, whatever, I, I mean, drums, I, I love playing drums. And one of the biggest influences to me was Keith Moon, uh, Moon the Loon, <laughs> you know, um, basically like at the end of this or going into the last section of the song. It, there's this big break and he starts coming in with like these just this roll and then it like gets a little bit faster and faster and faster but i actually going to, along with the violin part uh-huh yeah exactly yeah i used to like train my my arms and my wrist to make sure i'm like okay so i'm training single strokes i'm training training doubles okay and like i would go through like the different rudiments and do that and i i, I literally honed my chops using this very song on that so as the speed would increase like you know i'd just, like i said pick my rudiment and i'd go with it and I mean, to this day, like, I, I struggle to make it to the end. I mean, depending on the rudiment, but, uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You got, like, what, three kids, four kids? <laughs> I, can... I mean, I, I, play I, mean pad. I play on a pad. He makes it to the end, folks. That's, <laughs> that's not a problem. He's been known across the finish line. I mean, this is a song that I, I use as a drummer, you know, as an example for any of my students, anybody that I'm explaining drumming and, and when uh, – and the revolution of drumming. Um, Keith Moon is right there, you know, along with John Bonham and a few others in that style. Um, it was really 
it was really the moment when uh, the crossover of like a swing and jazz style drumming came into rock. And oh roll. yeah, yeah. So uh, to, uh, like, can I can I weigh in yeah, on that real fast? Of um, so I'm a huge proponent of, of tuning high and tight on drums. Like I, that's personally yes. how I how I do mine. Yes. Bonham made he he showed the world how you can be hugely powerful tuning high and tight. Oh yeah. And Keith Moon showed everyone how you can be crazy but still like boomy and everything and like. Basically, on that song, that whole like, you know, yeah, the, his his drums are tuned so so high and yeah. so tight. Yeah, well, that works. But that, you're not I losing that, any of the, any of that. But I think there. that works not best when that. you have when you have enough toms and you go from the high. Oh, yeah. and you're able to go all the way down low, dude. But, but like that picture's but, a lily. But not set. just that. <laughs> that's that's the engineers tuning those drums right. to, that song, to that song. Yeah, yeah. To where the toms are, you know. One oh, they're like guitar strings, dude. Yeah, yeah, like guitar strings. The toms are ones and fours and fives to the whole song, so everything just fits together so well. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, outside of that, I mean, I, I that's even going uh, a little more technical than <laughs> what I was referring to. Really, I just meant the style of play. As far as you know, when you look at rock and roll and uh, your typical rock and roll drummer during sixties or seventies, obviously people like Keith Moon, uh, Ringo Starr. John Bonham excluded. Uh, if you look at a lot of these other bands, if you take that song and you put a drummer from, you know, ACDC or any of uh, these other rock bands, even Aerosmith, they're going to play that song with all that stuff. Mitch Mitchell's is excluded from this as well. They're not going to do all that. They're just going to go. <laughs> Unless you get John Bonham's son to join your band, right? You know, which is what the Who straight. did, and now they're. Oh, yeah. wait, no, 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 hold on. No, 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 Zach Starkey. So no, Zach Starkey, Ringo Starr's Star son, yeah. was on yes. the kit. And so then my on point bass, is, like, the way that they bass. use it, and, and that's a very thing about uh, about swing drumming and swing, is you've got your bass and you you keep your time, but you're hitting with the trumpets. You know, the trumpet's going boop, 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 bop. And you're going dun, 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 along with that and playing around the kit, which is something that Ringo, Keith Moon, Mitch Mitchells all brought into it. They're not just doing the snare, you know, kick and snare on two and See, four. And that I kind think of stuff. Like, I think that comes from all those early rock drummers learn to play drums by trying to be Buddy Rich. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, basically. Perfect. That's what yeah, perfectly exactly. said. Especially Buddy Rich, especially Steve Gadd, like, Keith Moon. Mm -hmm. Like I want to play like. Fucking buddy, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm exactly. Ape I, think shit I think it was more, more, more of an yeah. ape than anything. Yeah, like, the yeah. way he would do it, he was just like whatever. Yeah, so I think there was things that he wanted to and do, so, and then he just did whatever the fuck he could. And so because yeah. they were of that time yeah. where their influences are big band drummers, exactly. And Buddy Rich, without Buddy Rich, there's no John Bonham, right? But like all of the '70s and '80s, none of those drummers exist without these guys exactly. who learned how to play from jazz drummers. Yeah, yeah, and that's where all that feel comes from. It's, I it's mean, amazing. you know, I, Aaron still tells me every once in a while, like, hey, man, you're playing a little too funky <laughs> because of my dad. <laughs> too funky. Orleans, because of the New Orleans influence that yeah, I had growing up with. Just a little bit too much like, that, that, That's blurring the lines between, like, swing and the eighth note, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing is that's what I do. That is phrase doesn't register for me. I don't necessarily always play straight or swung. I kind of play that middle ground, which was we a New know. Orleans thing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, so that's, know. Yeah, bro, I'm, that's, I'm uh, your guitarist. Just a... Just I'm a, like, I'm your bass player. I know. Yeah. Just to cap off that who pick, um, for that show, and you, you were saying as far as like having a drummer just step in, like maybe a session person or whomever, um, 
they in fact had yes Zach Starkey on on the drums and Pino Palladino on bass. Oh, well, you oh, can't fuck with that. So when you have yeah. that as your rhythm section, yeah, I think those yeah. are probably the only two notables, unless like you know you may double trouble in like a <laughs> yeah to to back up we Roger could, Daltrey and we Pete. Could. <laughs> Yeah, we could have a whole episode on Pino Palladino. Oh, dude, like he's so good, so, so much, good. so much. There's a reason why he's been strapped to the hip for pop. like to to John Mayer for the last 15 years, probably. But at the same time, we all know that song. Um, uh, it's a Hall and Oates cover. Uh, Every time you go away, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Pino Palladino playing bass on that. It. And he it. started the 80s fretless bass trend. Yeah. Like, just with that one song. Like, that dude, dude has sick. played on so many records with Golly. so many people. The Stones, the Eagles, Don Henley. like Everybody. Yeah, he's incredible. Cool. Um, and that does it for me. Yeah, so my pick is the oddball on this one, but it's just I've been listening to a lot of... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say darker stuff, but, like, one of my all-time I favorite mean, bands... One of my all-time favorite bands is Tears for Fears. Cool. Nice. <clears throat> I think they're an incredible band. Very cool. Um, and uh, an outgrowth of Tears for, Here- Tears for Fears is Nine Inch Nails, for sure. Um, and I got into Nine Inch Nails, honestly, when I was probably way too young to get into Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> <laughs> to, be more, to be entirely honest with you. Right. So they've it's been, the best time. They've been, uh, they've been like a personal favorite of mine for a long time. I mean, I went and saw Slipknot in like seventh grade, but I don't know. Yeah, so this <laughs> song. I saw Pantera in the seventh grade. This song. Alone. Yeah. See? And I made it to the fucking rail. Uh, yeah. Cheers, oh, Vin. Saw, cheers, Vin. I cheers, Daryl. I saw, I saw Green Day in fifth grade. And if you know how old I am, shit. that was a long time ago. Wow. Damn, you probably saw him like in a basement yeah, or something. Yeah, just shit, so like. you know. But, but either way, um, the song I picked was Something I Can Never Have, which is the fifth song on Pretty Hate Machine, which is Nine Inch Nails' first album. Uh, you know this album because of Head Like a Hole, Down in It. I'm sure there's other big hits on that record. Uh, but this is the fifth song because clearly it was the last song of the first side of the record. Ah. Because believe it or not, this debut Nine Inch Nails record came out in 1989. Wow, really? How old were you, Austin? Uh, negative five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this was when this was Trent Reznor's first album as Nine Inch Nails. So this was when he was basically just like regurgitating his Depeche Mode cure, like mm. those really dark synth wave emo. Like I it wasn't it. called emo yet, but it would turn into. Yeah. You uh, know, I didn't appreciate that type of stuff when vibes. I was growing up, but now they have definitely grown on me. Yeah. yeah. I, so, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So this song is super minimal. I think it's pretty much nothing but a piano and him and maybe some weird effects, some weird early or late 80s sampling. That was the style um, that I couldn't appreciate at a young age, honestly. Yeah, sure. Like, but, but... Well, Austin was sure ahead of us. I mean, but, uh, Hob was sure ahead of all of us. Yeah, right? yeah, but this song this song is, I would say, their prototy- his prototype for Hurt. Ah. If you hear this song, and then you think of Hurt, which came out on an album two, three years later, mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is like his... Oh, I'm gonna sell some records this time. <laughs> Attempt at her. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but but either way, uh, 
you know, Nine Inch Nails is kind of one of those bands where either you love them or you hate them. You can take them or you can leave them. But yeah. but lots of people don't don't recognize like just the massive influence that they had. Like in the late '90s, there was this whole resurgence in bands like Filter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, what was that one band? Uh, uh, stabbing Westward, dude. Stabbing Westward, yeah. Gravity awesome. kills, yeah. <laughs> and for a while, this. the whole rock scene was all these bands trying to sound like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um. So yeah, love them or hate them, you know. Even I, as a fan, only like like seventy percent of the stuff on their records. Yeah. But I think that's his intent. I don't think Trent Reznor has ever made records for anybody else but himself. Uh, and yeah, I, I super respect that. Trent Reznor does like uh, film scores and all that kind of stuff. And, right yeah, now, and yeah, right? he did. He did No Country for Old Men. Dude, his film score stuff is awesome. Well, that's, and yeah, as, a, as an artist, as an artist, you're not really it. out there to really convey any particular reason for anybody else other than, of course, yourself. And one thing with with Nine Inch Nails is uh, Richard Patrick, lead singer from Filter, from Filter, was one of the he was the a main touring, keys he was a key player for them, yeah. Who actually and guitarist, and he was actually one of the ones in which really kind of helped nudge and push Trent Reznor into that industrial rock direction, yeah. yeah. Which thank God he did, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, some cool stuff. No, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking up, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he was in the band from '95 until '97. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went and went ahead and made his own uh, his own solo record. But yeah, Nine Inch Nails is one of those bands that isn't really a band. It's just one guy with whoever right. wants to it's work a brand. with him at the time. Mm-hmm. That's what um, it is. But but yeah, they're even beyond their incredible success on their own or on his own. Yeah, yeah, their their influence is unmatched. Like all over the place, EDM, hip hop, like. Fun fact, that song, that shitty, horrible song, Old Town Road. <laughs> you know that song? Yeah. Wait, I, I feel like we shouldn't talk about stuff like that. Hold no, the banjo sample, the yeah, banjo, yeah. it's sampled from a Nine Inch Nails song. Is it real? Uh, I thought that was like sequence. Hey, what, what year was that? Did you say, <laughs> Hav? I hate that song. What year was that, that song? song? Did you say, Hav? Uh, 1989. 1989, wow, okay. Yeah. We were too. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were too. Absolutely, dude. Austin wasn't even a thought yet. <laughs> he no. was minus five. They well, were. I was in kindergarten, so fuck all y'all. <laughs> you said 1989. My parents were getting shotgun married. Uh, ah. So you were in the world. Fun stuff. No, not yet. My Two Nine Inch Nails first album. Yeah. My older sister. You know. Well, you know, speaking of Nine Inch Nails, and that kind of, I guess, can float into uh, my pick, which I think is the last one of the evening. Um, it's not as early as 89. I didn't know Nine Inch Nails even went that far back, dude, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so speaking of what we were talking about earlier, uh, what was uh, the Kiss thing unplugged? was mm-hmm. like 96 or something like that. Yeah, The 90s, right around after, you know, kind of the hair metal stuff kind of died off. The, 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 the grunge stuff was coming out. The more kind of kind of going back to the roots of rock and roll uh, as I look at it now, which was really cool. Uh, my pick is uh, one of my favorite all-time songs, which might be one that a lot of you guys may have possibly never heard and may never even knew that this existed, but it's a band, was Slash's Snake Pit. And uh, oh, it was yeah. basically... I got a good um, one for this. Dude, I love this record so fucking much. And one of the things that's kind of a shame about it is that when you listen to it, it's pretty much what you can imagine the next Guns N' Roses record was more or less supposed to be. So it was Slash, Duff McKagan, uh, Mad Sorum, 
And it was about a year or two after everybody pretty much realized, okay, Guns and Roses is not going to be a thing for a while. So guns the other gu- is, Guns and Roses is Guns and Noses. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> love that one. Thanks for that. <laughs> but uh, dude, so the album was called Slash the Snake Pit. Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, and this was track number three, Beggars and Hangers On just love the song i really don't even know how to describe it it's kind of a weird love song the, the, the one of the cool things that i love about this album is that it was very much i think a reflection uh, from slash and from duff and them just about the uh really dirty and nasty and i guess kind of lesser known underground um hollywood lifestyle um environment and so is it's a lot about relationships it's a lot about you know fakeness and you know ex-wives and money and dope and cars and fame that fucking kind of drives you nuts and stuff and so this one here uh really cool i guess it's the love song um just a really cool vibe dude the 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 whole tone of the of the record uh is something that i kind of can't really describe but it's one of my favorite songs beggars and hangers on um, I'll open it up to the floor. So I say bangers and hangers. What <laughs> bangers <laughs> and hangers on? This one was, was sounds like totally new to me. I've never in my I've life heard, heard of this until until uh, you picked it. And cool. so I checked like it out. the song or the band. I mean the song. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but, I had, yeah. I've but heard I, I, this thing, I, but I've never what heard of this immediately song. grabbed me, and I'll say this a million times. I'm a sucker for slide. The slide, dude. Uh, yeah. it, it got that real southern kind of sound, and then it goes yeah. just straight up to like what you were expecting as far as like from that group of guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was kind of afraid at first we were gonna go in a different direction, even though it's probably a direction I would like. Yeah. Um. But I mean, very rambling souls ish, <laughs> I would say. Hey. Oh man, I, I won't go that far because I don't want to fucking step into shoes that are too big. But, sure. Uh. But man, I was digging no, it. It's dude. okay. To- it was so cool to have something refreshing like that. Uh, it's that kind of half awkward, half awkward, half feel good, half kind of everything is shitty, but so, ah, what the hell. So I, I didn't even get into the lyrics of it because I was just listening to everything else. Like I, I was just listening to all the music and like the tone of the voice. It, it, I, it he, really he could have been singing like Green Eggs and Ham or something. It, really, I is still one of, it. it really is one of those that kind of like take what you want from it type yeah. jams, dude. Yeah, super cool jam. I, Gabe, you had some. You, you've been waiting, <laughs> so check this out. I love the grin. When I first met Aaron, uh, dating back uh, not as long as, of course, Hobbs known him, but we talked about you know our different influences and whatnot. And dude, I actually was at that show when he played at the White Rabbit. Oh my god, dude! My older brother yeah. was there, and I was I think nine at the dude, time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was so crazy because I would go out you know to all these shows with my oldest brother, um, and it, it was so crazy because. I wasn't able to go on these school nights to go check out when <laughs> the whole the you know when when GNR took that break and Gilby Clark had come through and yeah. he played over at uh, Club Crystal yeah. which is what at the time was uh, Sneakers um, yes over dude. off Shout out to Greg Wilson man back in the day Sneakers uh, yeah, getting a little local these are all San Antonio venues if uh, anyone hits Gilby uh, Clark listening. actually played the same week that fucking Vince Neil had came through. And it was so wild because, I mean... Dude, it's funny because, like I said, my two oldest brothers were at this show. Yeah. And I've heard their whole spiel on this particular week of shows. That's so fucking awesome. What, what, my so, question is, what year was this? 96, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. See, so so Slash, so Slash had, had a little stint with Slash's Blues Ball. Right. And that was kind of shortly lived. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the lead singer from Down was the guy who actually fronted that project. Down is actually a really cool band. Great band. Yeah. Um, but this was at the same time, Duff McKagan was also doing Loaded. 
Now, nice. Dove had a lot of stuff that was amped up that was supposed to have been precursor to like what would then been the next GNR album. Right. And then, of course, you know, everything led to what it did. Sure. But um, I remember being there, dude. And I, I, I shit you not, it was one of those things where it was just like, like, holy shit. So surreal, dude, to yeah, see Slash dude. up there. And it was just like one of those things where I was just totally mesmerized by it. And then fast forward it or whatnot uh, to some other shows that I got a chance to check out, the old original White Rabbit, and then having played there when I was in high school, and to think, like, while all yeah. this shit's going on and yeah. playing in front of our friends and all this bullshit, <laughs> that, dude, shit. Yeah. this is awesome, where dude. fucking yeah. Slash did his thing, you know? Dude, any dude, given my, night, bro. My, uh, dude, dude, my, like I said, given I, night. I, I have some, uh, my Five brother, or 5,000. I'm wondering, yeah, and I'm going right. to ask if my, uh, if my <laughs> brother JJ, uh, my oldest brother JJ, which is the reason that I play drums, um, he, my oldest brothers George and JJ went to that show that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so they actually, JJ actually has the ticket stub uh, autographed by Teddy oh, Zigzag. Man. Oh, Teddy Zigzag on Teddy the blues Zigzag harp and toured shit. with him. Yeah. So yeah. He, I remember, like I said, I had, he had, I remember seeing, and this is something I grew up with. This is why this is so fucking such a cherished uh, kind of conversation for me. So I remember the, I remember in my, in my brother JJ's folder, and he had the uh, the tour page, I guess, from the magazine, from the show that was coming up that yeah. week. And then he has a ticket stub signed by Teddy Zigzag. And, he, and I remember him telling me about it. He, 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 they went to, uh, you know, after the show, backstage and all that kind of stuff, by the bus, waiting to see who they could talk to. He said pretty much Slash and Duff and the rest of them. He saw them all come out. They just all pretty much just walked right out of the back door, straight into the done, bus. Done, Said, you know, basically Duff, you know, gave his peace sign, his, you know, his fucking signature peace sign to everybody. Teddy Zigzag and the singer, I believe, are, are the two that actually kind of stopped hung around with bands and took yeah. pictures and all that shit. So JJ has that uh, that tick stub from a White Rabbit signed by Teddy. That's so Man. cool, dude. Great. Same shit. Like, I had backstage passes to Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson, straight to the bus. <laughs> yeah. Like, but where did I get those backstage passes? From hanging out with his guitarist and bassist the night before wow. at a bar downtown. And was that like, like the Zim Zum days? And no, no, like no. This was like three, tweeting. four years ago. This oh, okay. was on... Uh, um, his guitarist Paul and his guitar, his bassist Juan, who actually Juan Alderete, he's actually was the bassist for the Mars Volta. No, oh shit. wow, and, <laughs> was this at Leaping Lizard? And they were playing. They were playing. They were playing at the Aztec. Some old school names. They here, were playing dude. at the wow. Aztec, and my buddy was bartending at the Leaping Lizard, yeah. and wow. he texted me oh, and man. was like, "Hey man, if you're trying to go to that Manson show tomorrow." His guitarist and bassist are here right now. So I went down there and, like, ended up hanging out with them all night. And, like, it was like a, hey, man, what's your name? I'll put you on the list. Backstage, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that shit. Right? (laughs) Like, whatever. Like, we're drinking. We're taking shots. He's putting my name in his phone. We're just playing darts. Like, whatever. And then so the next day, I call the Aztec ba- the Aztec box office, and I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to make sure my name's on the list. Oh, yeah, you're here, backstage, Whoa, plus one. dude. Nice. Kick ass. Yeah, but Manson himself, boom, gone. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Same two dudes I hung out with the night before, there all night. Like, Speaking of Manson, do? dude, speaking of Manson, I mean, I, I hear that the last Manson appearance here at the Aztec Theater was quite a bit of a little... Uh, 
quite a bit of a circus there. I loved it. I thought Were it was there? awesome. Yes. Is that the one where we had a little kind of sort of any, a meltdown or something? Anytime, anytime, okay, that, anytime yeah. that Marilyn Manson comes to town, I'm there. So people I were upset. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, Hav, but like, didn't he have some sort of kind of like weird fan interaction? I don't, starting, I don't recall a strange meltdown. What I recall is people being upset with the fact that the entire show was like 50 minutes long. Ah. Like... Full headlining, uh, like no like encore, no bullshit. Yeah. It was like just not even an hour. Like wow. it was just like the whole. It's like dude, he that played, show was he played, sold oh, out. It was sold out. Plus, yes, I know because I was down there. Yeah, <laughs> and they it was packed like that place too. Man. Oh yeah, they, yeah man. Like, and so it yeah. was just like he played all the hits plus oh. like. Four songs from a newest record. You know, funny, and that, fun, that, that night where you were at that fucking awesome Marilyn Manson show, I was at another awesome show that I went to because uh, I couldn't get tickets to the Manson show. So I actually saw Crown the Empire down at what used to be the White Rabbit. It's now called the Paper Tiger. Paper Tiger, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool metalcore band out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was, it's been really fun to kind of see their rise. I saw them from just barely putting up their first, you know, kind of a really rough videos and, and kind of rough tours to... To do those guys are getting up there. So hey, just to throw this out, Marilyn note. Manson and Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails have a very close relationship. They they have for a very long time. So I can just tie this in. Um, my Nine Inch Nails song, I brought up Old Town Road. That song has the record for the longest running U.S. number one hit of all time, um, which was seventeen weeks. No way. And, yes, because of its uh, use of a sample of a Nine Inch Nails song, Trent Reznor was nominated for a CMA in 2019. No shit. No bullshit. Trent Reznor Reznor was nominated for a CMA in 2019. Okay, so first off, I was dumbfounded about that, about that, that song being on country charts. But I mean, yeah, it's got Billy Ray Cyrus. I it's guess. got it's got Billy Ray Cyrus, and he's talking about riding till whatever. Like I guess going get bent down. Yeah, to the Ariana Grande talks road. about riding shit left and right, but like you don't oh, see her being called so country. He actually <laughs> hold on. He actually ended up winning. So Trent Reznor, <laughs> Trent Reznor, yes. no, of course of, he did. Of nine inch nails, when does this guy lose? Has, when does this guy lose? Has a Country Music Association award. <laughs> oh my god! For his contribution to the Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus hit "Old up, Town man. Road." Oh gosh! The song is based off of a sample of a song of his called "34 Ghosts Part 4. <sighs> wow. That's just insane to me, dude. And it's like, just this weird, creepy, gothic, rustic, like, hey, banjo so sample. Think, and it turned into the longest-running number one hit in U.S. history. Dude, think about, think about the coolness of that, though. Put, your, put, your, uh, you know, put yourself in the shoes of one of, these, uh, you know, one of these old rockers from rock stars from, like, the 80s or even the 90s or whatever. Or even the 2000s now, because, fuck, we're 2021. And so you got all these young artists now, brand new artists, and you, you receive this thing, this you know, the request to, hey, can we sample your song from back in the days? I mean, I think that that must be really cool dude, to hear, uh, you know, to, to to be these artists from back in the days to kind of maybe you might see your kind of uh, your your uh, your memory waning or your kind of your catalog kind of, you know, get this resurgence from a new from a new generation of fans because because like I said, like you guys were talking about samples and kind of new artists are covering your song from back in the day or that kind of stuff. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a certain line like I, I love like when you know they pay tribute and they cover and shit. But like I feel like with a lot of the samples, like 
most people w- wouldn't even know that. Like, Hav just told us that, and dude, that zombie cover. What was it last year? The year before? Oh, Who you did the zombie about the Miley cover? One? No, 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 no. Who did the cranberries? Uh, the yeah, zombie cover. There's Miley Cyrus, right? No, no, no. It was it was, it was rock band. They did like a slowed down version. Oh. Uh, God, it's oh, gonna kill yeah, me. Where's like, John oh, when he? Oh, oh Miley Cyrus. Is somebody like a, like a five finger death punch? So, type it was of, one of those oh, bands. Yeah. God, it's gonna kill me till I remember. I don't know, man. I. All right, being in the covered world, I will never listen to a cover of Zombie because way too many damn people Bad have wolves. tried it. Bad have wolves. tried it in bars. Every every female cover artist has tried it, so, and even yeah. a lot of male artists have tried it, and nobody does it, it was anywhere. The, uh, yet everybody good. still plays Tennessee yeah. whiskey. It was the band Just Bad no, Wolves, and I hate doing that. <laughs> Bad Wolves, they got That's all, the the, all these awards for that like song. Crazy, actually, like, that's how good it was. Bad Wolves, they they got all these awards for their version. I'll of have Cranberries. to look at uh, look Five it Finger up, Death Punch did, and, and they've done a whole bunch of covers. Some of them I really enjoy, but this one that I did not. Not to knock on it, but. It was just like it fell so much short of the original, and they did um, the Offspring song. And I feel, and it feels. Oh, really? Like I didn't know. Heaven so far Jesus, away. I can just hear that already. It oh. was, it was not great. I mean, if you're gonna do, I don't know. I Honestly, hate to knock the, on people. I'll leave it alone. The only cover that they did that I really enjoyed was the Bad Company cover. I thought Wait, that was, was that great. Them? But yeah, that was them too. I was them too. Yeah. I they did House of the Rising Sun yeah, and House I felt the like they yeah. I felt like they could have done it a lot better than what they did. The arrangement was like they cut it again, they cut it short, it felt like they cut it short. <laughs> it's like Limp Biscuit doing behind blue eyes. <laughs> it just wasn't oh, right. Geez. Like uh, but but their bad company cover was great. Like I, I thought I'd love was. to do Tennessee whiskey, but like David Allen Coe's version. I think that song it, you say the words Tennessee whiskey and it's David Allen Coe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude. Everyone well, does. the cool thing about this is that I, my 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 my, my uh, original my pick for this week's uh, uh, for this week's selections actually kind of came from um, last week's picks of our of our Roundly Souls playlist, and that's what I've been kind of liking about this because that's pretty much how it's been for me pretty much since the beginning. That the conversations that we have about our picks for that week somehow in some way kind of send me off from here, and they make me venture into maybe something that come came up in our conversation, or maybe I, I caught a bit of a Saxon thing with you. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't do Saxon this week. We'll come back to Saxon. <laughs> but what I mean is, like, our playlist and our or general version. Our, our general conversations usually kind of send me off into different realms uh, throughout the following week, and that's where my pick came from this week, as far as the Slash and Snake Pit. That came from our, uh, I think, DJ Byrne did uh, Velvet Revolver last week, Slither. and that. Well, so I was going to ask you so that uh, turned that 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 winded me up into the Slash and Snake Pit stuff, and so for all you guys, I. Think think it's something really fun for all the listeners to kind of go and check out the Roundly Souls podcast. Maybe it kind of sends you, maybe venture you off into kind of some uh, some areas that you may have forgotten or maybe not think of, think thought about in a while. So uh, make sure you guys go check out and follow that Roundly Souls podcast on Spotify. So foreshadowing, you know, episode five, Muddy is going to go back to Iron Maiden for his roots. <laughs> oh, Should I? Just kidding. <laughs> no, I was gonna know. I was gonna make a joke. I figured that the. The Babo O'Reilly was just payback for me picking Slither before you got to, and no, you were just man. picking you were picking a Who song before I could get to it. No, not at all. Or Aaron could get. No, to we it. all know that Aaron's the real Who fan <laughs> in the group. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I don't think as as a huge Who fan, like I don't really like lay. Uh, it's it, there's no territorialness there. I mean, I'm surprised enough when people actually appreciate them. Oh, they're, they're, yeah. they're one of the ones who are like. Uh, there's all the popular shit. Like, dude, wait have you seen a Kardashian wearing purple. like a, a, a Who shirt? Yeah, no? oh, yeah. thank no, God. They're they're but, an like, incredible band. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're so underrated as far as, like, dude, a lot of the younger kids. Dude, wait till I start touching on shit. Deep Purple, dude. I'm like, just wait, just wait. I haven't gotten there. Oh, you know, that was oh, my oh, first thing. Richie Blackmore? Give me some, dude. Oh, I will. <laughs> I will. Deep, Deep Purple was my first concert ever. No way. Yep. My dad took me to see Deep Purple. Was it dude, actual Deep Purple, though? It was, like, two of them. Or, like, two of them with six. I know it wasn't Richie Blackmore. Yeah, it wasn't it was Richie like Blackmore. This, it was, like, the singer and, like, one of the guitar players. But then they had this like young blonde guitar player who was like, of course, you know, some like his name was Spider. Uh, yeah, dude, he he reminded me of it. Honestly, <laughs> he's he's repaid. But he was really you, good. Bro. He was great. He was really Set, good, bro. But, no, I think that there might have been like three of the original members total. But it was, dude, yeah. speaking of that, I, well, this is kind of actually a, a way far outside note. But have any of you guys seen Black Star Riders? So that is mm-hmm. the guys from Thin Lizzy. With the singer from a band called Thunder, and they basically went out and and they're basically doing all the Thin Lizzy stuff. But I guess uh, the band members all agreed it wouldn't be right to go out and call it Thin Lizzy. But they found this guy, the singer from the band called Thunder, um, which you know a pretty good hard rocking band from the '80s and early '90s. They never kind of went over that hump of superstardom, but uh, yeah, you can remember them. I think they played Monsters of Rock a few times. Well, what were they called again? Thunder. Thunder. Did so you, the singer did he play bass too, or? I, I'm not sure if he played bass too, but I know that he sounds remarkably, remarkably like the singer from Thin Lizzy. And uh, they went out; they're they're doing this shit really good. Black Star Riders, awesome. um, they're playing it heavy, dude. And and they also wrote new stuff. I guess they, I guess, to allow themselves to be able to write new stuff, they said that we're not going to go into the name Thin Lizzy. But basically, Black Star Riders is Thin Lizzy with the new guy. So, and, uh, I think cool. say, so just real quick along that note, Deadland Ritual. You know oh, this yeah. band? Yes, dude. Deadland Ritual. You guys know this band? Uh, Geezer Butler on drums. Steve Stevens from Billy Idol on guitar. Uh, Matt Sorum. On drums, yeah. Matt Sorum on drums. Anything that Matt Sorum is in. And uh, Frankie Perez, uh, formerly of Apocalyptica. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. they also have a band. Yeah. Uh, and they're super good. Yeah. Really, really good. There's a rig it's rundown. Deadland Ritual? Deadland yeah. Ritual. There's a rig Cheezer rundown. Cheezer Butler, Steve Stevens, Steve with Stevens that band. Matt Sorum, and Frankie Pettis. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, dudes, we're running out of time. We had a gear review planned already. We're at, like, yeah, we're at 128. Damn. Almost an hour and a half. <laughs> a lot of cool stuff today, dude. Well, uh, so we had Switchlock on, on the books for today. Yeah, man, it's up to y'all. Do y'all want it? Let's hit it real yeah, quick. Come man. on, you got it. Yeah. All right. So a good buddy of mine uh, who turned me on to a uh, YouTube channel of it was a subscription to a guitar player named uh, RJ Run Keyo, and uh, the guy does some awesome, awesome reviews, man, on on everything from guitars, pedals, amps, any and everything in between, uh, and he gives you know full on, really in depth, you know. Um, on, on just about, like I said, anything. And uh, I was watching one of his videos, and I saw him do a review for this little mechanism that you apply to your guitar, preferably a Strat or anything with like a, a toggle configuration um, called the Switch Lock. And I was like, you know, what is that? You know, and as I started diving into it, um, I looked it up, reached out to the guys, uh, Josh Misko, who um, is one of the main ones, you know, behind it as far as, you know, coming up with the idea which is this little plastic mechanism that you apply to your channel selector uh and when of course depending on whatever position you have preferably like in a strat or a multi-position selector you set to what it is in which you want and you can actually push the actual little plastic mechanism itself to lock you in place to whatever position that you have your you know your channel selector set at 
and um, it bolts right directly to, of course, you know, the original housing. So there's nothing that you have to do other than just apply it. Um, and then, of course, when you know you want to move to various other positions, you just kick it back out of place and go about your business. So when I reached out to him and uh, told him that I play strats, you know, primarily Aaron, um, <laughs> he was like, he goes, oh, that's to- so totally cool, man. And he started asking me you know, a little bit about the outfit, you know, that I was playing with. And um, I lent him over, you know, some some of the work that we've done with the Rambling Souls. And he was like, dude, I really dig your guys' work and this and that. And he basically offered it up and said, hey, man, would you be interested in, you know, doing a little, you know, partnership with this thing and kind of just, you know, spreading the word, so to speak. And I told him, yeah, you know, we linked up. He sent me off some products and got them on all my Strat guitars. And it's one of those things that I, you know, a lot of people may hate on it, you know, as to like, oh, really? If, you know, you got to work on your technique, then if, in fact, you know, you got to like have a problem (laughs) with hitting, you know, your channel selector in and out of phase, so to speak. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, seriously. You've never played a show before, obviously. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you said that, Huff, because as a as a live guitarist, sometimes you, in fact, kind of get carried away where you're stomping on pedals and you don't you're tap dancing and there's so much going on. And suddenly you realize, oh shit, I'm in totally the wrong pickup. But the cool thing about that is, the cool thing about that is, is uh, when in fact we do have some songs in the Rambling Souls where I actually ride off on the neck pickup, and I'll set it up according to that and have that locked in into place. Oh yeah, this is one of the best features. But (laughs) now, when in fact we go into some of the heavier rock and stuff, for instance, like when we're carrying out a show, and let's just say we, you know, typically end with like live and loud, for instance, and. You know, I have a tendency to want to maybe play behind my head. And I obviously, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> it can, in fact, happen where I can kind of drown my own self out and kind of throw myself into the neck position. Never know so simply, as simple as kicking into whatever position you may need and locking it, just it's one of those things like muscle memory now yep. that just happens while I'm playing. So, so you just like you, you, you can't actually. You can actually change that in real time. So, like, it's oh, not like yeah. you have to have a different guitar. So, you so you, all, all it takes it. is for you to, re-lock like, it. move it. Like, you just swivel the thing That's out of the it. way. That's and it. then put it in whatever position and then put it back it's in really the place. It's really just so, like, it doesn't get switched as a bump. It, yeah. It's got to be so intentional. Let, let me tell you, like, so after uh, Gabe, Gabe made contact with them and everything, and, and they've shown us so much support and love, like, on the Rambling Soul stuff. I mean. Shout out so, to Switchlock. Yeah, for real. Um, so, I ended up going and getting mine you know what i mean and i got fenders at home despite what last episode how it was like you know what i mean like <laughs> he's a guitar player yeah i play i play you know i there's there's things i take on the road and there's other things that i don't and you know what this is making me rethink a few things because for the first time ever dude i can i can play a telly i, I love tellies versus strats but like i can play a telly without having to worry about like turning down like my volume and, and stuff like that. And it's not... Well, the switch lock thing is because of the switch. My, where I play? Yeah, that fixed that problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for that yeah. bridge that bridge uh, bridge pickup. Yeah, that fixed the volume problem, too. Yeah. So if you yeah. guys, like, stick in the, in the bridge pickup like I do, like, for that, then... Oh, my God. Like, oh, you're so... Yeah. It, it seems <laughs> like a really out. great product for, like, gigging guitarists. Yeah, sure. dude. For sure. Yeah. And, and, I, and, so, and touching on... Uh, last episode, I know I said Gibson basses were trash. I still think Gibson basses are trash. <laughs> but I still think Fender's but, Legos, you know? But I just want to say that the only reason why I think that... Dick. The only reason why I think that 
is because as a player... Because Gibson hasn't sent you a base yet. That's no, like, <laughs> no. And they definitely won't now. Uh, but, You're going to give me the base. But, You're like, motherfucker, record his Gibson, <laughs> Gibson bases have this inherent growl, which lots of people like. But as a Fender guy, right. I prefer to get my growl from my amplifier hmm. or from my, the or way from the I'm that you add on top, yeah. Yeah. or from no, a I, pedal or from something. I don't want the growl to always be yeah. there. No, and, and so yeah. my biggest gripe when I said last week it's just mid-range trash. What I mean is it's just always so aggressive yeah. that it doesn't always need to be. Okay. That's why I don't like them. I just wanted to clarify. That's cool. <laughs> well, go, going back thing. to the switch lock thing, I mean, straight up, though, like when I got a hold of their product, that, that seriously opened up the Fender thing for me again to where, like, I play open G tunings, and so now we have certain things that are available out of my arsenal that I can I can use and not have to worry about the functionality. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about fucking up and hitting the wrong pickup. No, I remember, I remember like, before switch lock came along uh you and me have had multiple conversations about because i play strats most of the yeah. time the one reason why and i don't play fender the reason why <laughs> you wouldn't play it is because it's like you would always ask me like dude how do you like palm mute without that getting in the way and stuff yeah. and it was i grew up playing on strats and that's what i down. learned on yeah see i never i well, never had mm-hmm. any kind of issue like i've never i whenever i first heard a switch wa- a, a switch lock sorry I was like, "What? What problem is this that people are having? I don't get it." Because I had only ever really played. So strat. check this out. But then I went and played other guitars, and then went back to my strat, and I had gotten used to the other guitars. And whenever I went back to my strat, and your I was strumming like, pattern goes like, across the, the. I was like, "What the fuck? Selector. This thing's in the so, way." Yeah. This thing's so in the to way. that <laughs> point, to that point, like Hob yeah. just said right there, he brought up a very punk rock, you know, uh, staple where you would just like duct tape it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just but tape then it you down. were then solidified to just. But stick then you couldn't change it. and yeah, you could change it live, even if you wanted to so the same thing applies to of course strap blocks right so you look at like early on like of course you know a bunch of the punk guys that were out there and i think joe strummer there's some pictures of course of him actually having stuff like that um the list goes on and on and on not to mention my favorite technique the grolsch bottle no i'm getting there I'm good. Oh, okay. So check this out. Okay. So check this out. So That's you would one one too. So you know you would see like Kurt Cobain and all that. He would like duct tape, of course, his actual guitar strap to his guitar. Um, I never saw it on the channel selector, but on his actual strap. So then you would see people do the whole girls thing, right? So they'd go out and buy a four pack of girls and get the actual rubber, you know, little tops, the little rubber gasket thing, gasket yeah. tops, mm-hmm. and you know you're spending what twelve bucks, let's just say ten bucks for that four pack or whatever. And you get, but you get a buzz, you but get a buzz. you get a buzz <laughs> and you get strap locks. Yeah, for but, two guitars. Yes. So basically, roughly for just outright a little bit more than what you'd pay for like an actual standard set of strings, right, for a guitar, and then you have them indefinitely to use for yeah. here on out until yeah. you lose them. Yeah. The same thing applies to the switch lock. For ten bucks, you get the actual switch lock itself, and you have the locking mechanism to actually choose whatever position it is well, in which you want to have. Yeah, but I don't get a buzz. <laughs> Look, the, oh, thing, the thing that I, I will say, like, think okay. about it is, you do get a buzz because you get you high off the music that you create, brother. Hey, I have so many you options get a now. Buzz like, you like that from the buzz eliminated by your pickup <laughs> being selected correctly. Oh god. Okay, so like, I, I'm, I'm going to be really fucking real right now, oh, and I'm going to say that like. Okay, as much shit as that we might go back and forth just because we can talk shit to each other about Gibson versus Fender, I love the sound of Fender. The playability is something that, uh, that, that it, it fucks with me. Okay? It's different. And, and, you know, yeah, I'll be a little princess about it sometimes, and I'll, I'll pick certain things. The, the switch lock alone has opened up the Fender aspect to me 
Because, like, for certain songs, like, maybe I bring a guitar on tour and I'm only going to play it on, like, one or two songs. But I, I love that tone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, it fixes a certain thing to where it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down. Like, let's say I'm, I'm sloppy and, and, and whatever, and I, I don't have to worry about these things anymore. Now I'm, I'm, I actually have more options, and they're, they're opening my doors to different sounds. You know, and and I tell you what, man, the the the, the group themselves, the Switchlock, has you know grown tremendously, and you know as far as everyone in which of course they're uh, they have as far as signed up and are lined up as far as endorsement wise, these are all great musicians, and it, what I like about it again, like we mentioned in previous episodes about Quantum Industries, the case, these are products that were made for guitar players and or musicians by guitar players and musicians, you know? So it's one of those things that it it definitely, you know, it takes flight, man. And it's a great product. And it's one of those things where it's like, damn, I wish I would have come up with that, that idea myself. Dude, we need to get Josh on the show. (laughs) Yes. Josh Misko, you're, you're definitely going to be hearing on this because I'm going to actually send you a text here. Yeah, brother, we can, we can, uh, Skype or zoom or FaceTime or whatever you in. And we're going to bring you in and, uh, hopefully, you know, you can shed some light on it to yourself and, uh, maybe some other stuff that you have coming up in the works here in the near future, man. Oh yeah. Well, dudes, we're running out of time. Austin, you want to do your thing? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, with everything said today, you know, there's always room for argument. And there's always room for debate with all the music that we talk about and our point of views. If you think Gibson basses sound great, then hit us up on the Discord. We got the Discord server, the Rambling Souls server. Um, you know, you can talk to us, talk to other people, share your favorite meme, whatever. Um, have a lot of good time. You can also leave us a chat on the vo- Google Voice line. That's 512-766-6774. Uh, you can email us at the ram or just rambling souls music at gmail.com and Instagram at the rambling souls. Let us know what you guys think. Let us know uh, what your viewpoints on the music. Let us know what music you want us to talk about in future episodes. Do all that. And, uh, you know, smash that subscribe and like, man. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, y'all. We'll catch you next time. Catch you next time, guys. Peace. Keep it live and loud. <laughs>